And then there were four Major League Soccer's playoffs are now down to the conference finals. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty well, Garrett. How are you? I'm doing excellent, man. I know you've been traveling nonstop. It's, it's, is it good to get like a, a break before you had to go on another week-long travel to, to England? I don't know how much. It's a one-day break, but uh, it's funny. I, uh, I I spent most of the evening watching Seattle play and then and then uh, scouring the web for flights to Seattle for that second leg, L.A. versus Seattle. Uh, before we even get into that, we got to talk about Seattle. They held on. They beat FC Dallas. And uh, I'll tell you what, all weekend – you had a lot of exciting matches, and uh, mm-hmm. some teams really step up when they needed to. Yeah, and the game on, on Monday night, which was also incredibly late, even for like my standard time. I, I wonder how many people on the East Coast stayed up to watch this game. Uh, I mean, most people are going to see a scoreless match between Seattle and FC Dallas, but I mean, very, very entertaining between both sides. Uh, FC Dallas controlled you know, long stretches of the match. Seattle with, with uh, Dempsey and Martins was explosive all match long. And uh, and just kind of it seemed like that type of match, Ivis, where FC Dallas, for all the chances they had, it just seemed like if they weren't able to put one away before the halftime, it just didn't seem like they were going to be able to find one. And Seattle stayed organized and held on and, and put enough pressure on FC Dallas to advance to the next round. So, I mean, very, very impressive showing from from Seattle Sounders. Well, I thought both teams, sh- uh, you know, showed something. I think FC Dallas, uh, you know, had had a, a fair amount of the ball in the first half. Uh, as far as in dangerous spots, you had Fabian Castillo uh, running around, but I think Seattle, like you said, they were very organized. They limited them mm-hmm. in term in terms of dangerous shit. <laughs> Sorry, man, getting sick. Uh, they limited them to one shot on goal, which uh, you know that in a game like this where you need a goal, uh, you need at least one away goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not enough. And uh, credit to Seattle's defense, they stepped up. Chad Marshall was dominant. Uh, you know, he, he really took care of everything. Uh, and then for FC Dallas, uh, Chris Seitz stepping into goal and having himself a great game to keep FC Dallas in it. But once again, their attack just, you know, they didn't come through. And I thought it was a little strange to see uh, Blas Perez get pulled from the match and then Michelle get pulled from the match. And um, by the end of the game, you know, they, they were kind of flopping around looking for calls. And But even with that, I think it's still a good season for FC Dallas. Mm. A good first season under Oscar Pereja who for me is definitely someone who deserves rookie, uh, Coach of the Year consideration. But in the end, Seattle, too much quality. And their defense, for all we, we talk about their attack, their defense stepped up tonight. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that had to deal with Alonzo and hopefully speedy recovery for him. I'm fortunate to see uh, him walk off the field, especially when it's a non-contact injury. I mean, those usually end up for some reason being the worst type of injuries. Uh, but, I mean, he looked outstanding in the game. Brad Evans, I thought, looked solid. Uh, it's just Seattle, man, they just did enough. I mean, yes, you did see the inclusion of Mauro Diaz, who really kind of ignited that FC Dallas attack, but, I mean, Castillo kind of looked like he was gassed at the end of the match, and he could only do so much. I mean, there were times where maybe he should have, you know, played to his teammates a little more, but he did create some chances. But, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, back and forth between this match because, you know, not a lot of calls were made, especially in the final third. And I think for both teams, there's an instance where Dempsey was taken down and an instance when uh, Fabian Castillo was also taken down. I mean, do you, I mean, were those penalties? I mean, Castillo looked like a penalty. Dempsey's, I, I don't know. But I mean, kind of interesting to see, you know, kind of letting play happen rather than making some calls there. I don't know if there was any uh, highway robbery necessarily. Um, I think the team that deserved to win won. Um, I know I'm sure FC Dallas will, will, come, will question that and uh, they'll dispute some of those. But I don't know. For me, I think Seattle did what they had to do and, now they're on to the final, which uh, you know I think the Western Conference final, and I think everybody wanted to see this matchup, and now we're going to see it: Seattle versus LA. 
And speaking of LA, they advance after beating down Real Salt Lake by a score of 5-0. to zero. Landon Donovan with the hat trick, third ever hat trick in MLS postseason play. Flashes of old school Landon Donovan. And I guess for as much as Real Salt Lake did a pretty good job this year holding back Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan in the match where it mattered most, Keane and Donovan just took advantage. Donovan looked outstanding. And uh, like you said, I mean, LA Seattle, that is going to be an exciting match. We saw it last, last two games of the season. I mean, we're going to get to see it again. It's going to be awesome. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll hopefully preview that match later in the week. But, you know, we have to talk about LA's performance against RSL. Yeah, it's I mean, what what so many things you could you could take away from this match. You know, a few things that I did notice was that that Tony Beltran had just perhaps one of the he just had a horrible day. Landon Donovan completely exploited him on multiple opportunities. But I was I mean, you saw LA Galaxy. I mean, just how much they were moving, how much they were attacking. It just seemed like RSL from the get go just had no chance in this match at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily point out Beltran because look, I don't know who in the league. At right back would have been able to deal with Landon Donovan the way he looked on uh, on on the, in that second leg. I mean, it does you know I don't know if it would have mattered. He was locked in. He was ready to go after whoever was in front of him. And with the finishes that he pulled off in that game, um, you know he 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 just put himself into that zone where he's just so tough to deal with. And obviously his teammates provided the support. And look, RSL didn't play well at all. And I think that they'd be the first ones to tell you that. But you have to give credit to LA. They really. You know, there was so much talk about the pressure being on them. And I said it the last time we had a show that I just didn't buy that. I didn't buy the idea that, oh, you know, they didn't score an away goal and now they're going to be worried. Like they always went. They the plan was always to come home and win that game. It, they, that was never a question for them. They, they you know, I don't think there was any ever a doubt in their mind that they would go back to L.A. and it would be a completely different game. Obviously, at RSL, you had the. The rain and the and the and the weather elements weren't their best, but then you go to L.A. Beautiful weather, perfect weather, perfect uh, atmosphere for a game, and the crowd behind you. and And Donovan responded, and and he responded like the the legend that he is. And you have to give him credit for uh, stepping up when his career was on the line. Yeah, and especially like you said, it, it, well, it. The more and more I see Landon Donovan, I was do these performances. The more and more I'm just like, dude, he's going to come back next year. There's no way he's going to retire. I think he's ready to walk away, man. Oh, man. It's so crazy because you see the level that he can play at, though. It's unbelievable. You know what? Sometimes it's refreshing to see a guy walk away when he's still got something left. I mean, I think, if anything, a lot of times it's kind of painful to see players that hold on too long in in whatever sport it is. Uh, Players who they they just, you know, the, 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 the shine fades and... And 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 they start looking like a shell of their former selves, and it, sometimes it could be pretty depressing to see guys go through that. So for Donovan, uh, if he can leave on a high note, if he can leave with another title, uh, I'm sure people will want him to come back. But at the same time, I think he's done enough. I think it's time for him to walk away and try new things in his life. And for Real Salt Lake, I guess obviously this loss looks a little worse, but you know we all know how good they are. Jeff Kassar, first good season for him after taking over for Jason Christ. Uh, the question is, where does Real Salt Lake go from here? You know, you know, constant eliminations by LA Galaxy. I mean, do they need to retool? Is it just lock and load? I mean, what, what is the next step for Real Salt Lake now? That's the that's the big question now. You know, um, what pieces do they need? And and you know, when you saw the series and the way the year went for them, they had their share of injuries mm-hmm. um, that you know cost them during the year and and it cost them maybe an opportunity to really challenge uh, for the supporters' shield. But I, th- I think they're still close to being that level. Uh, when you look at the pieces that they still have, obviously they're getting older. The nucleus there is getting older. Nick Romano, Kel, Kyle Breckman, Nat Borchers, uh, those Ned Grabovoy. Chris um, Wingert. Go, go Wingert. Wingert. 
And I, you know, they're they're getting older. So, uh, you know, at a certain point, you 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 find yourself in a situation where, you know, do you? you they're not going to make wholesale changes, but at the same time, you can't stand pat with a group too mm-hmm. long without making some adjustments. Because if you stay within a group too long and it gets old together, then you can hit rock bottom when that group walks away. When it's time for that group to go, and I think there's always possibilities for next year when you think about uh, decisions to make. I mean, I know. When you look at central defense, they have Chris Schuler and Nat Borchers, but then they also have Carlos Salcido, who's a young player who you kind of think it's his time uh, going forward. And then you have Luis Gill, obviously, who I think I, I'm I may be wrong on this, but I think next year is the last year of his contract. Um, you know, do you do you make him a regular locked in starter um, or do you try to move him? Do you try to sign him a new deal? Uh, you also have Garth Lagerway, the GM, the mastermind, the, yeah. guy, the, archi- the architect. Is he going to come back? That's a question that, you know, I think that's going to be one of the bigger questions of the offseason. As far as I know, he hasn't signed a new deal. Um, and if he if he hasn't, that's that's got to be one of the top priorities for RSL because he is the guy that's going to go get mm-hmm. the players that that help revamp that roster. So we'll see what happens there. And, that, and it all starts with that because if they lose him, then they then you really have to start wondering kind of where do they go from there. And you look at the moves that Garth Lagerway has had. I mean, the impact of Joao Plata. Uh, Luke Mulholland this year has looked good for them. I mean, he always is able to find those guys. Ivis are the wholesale, bring them in, and they have, uh, I mean, they just, they totally revamped their careers. Real, real quickly, though, bringing it back to L.A., Seattle. We saw these two teams, as we mentioned, battle the last two games of the regular season. Your quick reaction to this, who is the favorite going into the series? It's going to be a great series. It's going to be a close series, but my money's on L.A. I, I just think that, um, and, uh, you know, obviously going into the playoffs, I called L.A. as the favorite, even though, they didn't finish the season that well. Uh, I thought they really kind of uh, pumped the brakes a little bit and 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 kind of coasted into the playoffs because I think they knew they needed a rest. Uh, and I don't think the supporter shield was a big priority for them. Um, Seattle obviously is a good team, and their attack can burn you. Their attack can definitely do things. Uh, I still think their defense can be vulnerable. I, I think the I think FC Dallas didn't have the the cohesiveness in their attack to really break down Seattle. But I think L.A., when L.A. is at their best, there is not a better team in the league, period. And, and no offense to the to, to the uh, to the Red Bulls, to to the Sounders, to the Revolution. I mean, I tell you what, you, you know, I, I even talking to some 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 uh, New England players, I made the same statement and they didn't disagree with me about L.A. because, you know, we were in the locker room after their win uh, against Columbus and the Galaxy game was on. And the LA and LA is you know beating on RSL and I you know and I made the comment and and no and and it's it's people know that I think people I'm sure Seattle wouldn't wouldn't agree with that they might not say that publicly but look LA when they're firing mm-hmm. when they're clicking they're between their attack and their midfield and their and their defense like they're they are the best team in the league when they are on and it's going to be up to Seattle to they're going to have to bring it they're going to have to bring their best their defense is going to have to step it up. Uh, Dempsey and Martins are going to have to do what they do. They're going to have to play their best to have a chance because for me, I think LA is locked in now with this second leg against RSL. I think they're awake. I think they realize. I mean, they don't. They didn't need to realize it. They always knew it. They know this is it. This is the last hurrah for this group. And uh, I think get, getting home and and blowing out RSL. Now they get Seattle in the first leg back home. Uh, I think they're going to send a message in that game. And look, it's not going to be easy. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from Seattle. Seattle's a very, very good team. They could very easily 
win this series. But my money, my money's on the Galaxy. And the last time these two teams played, great matches back and forth. And the one thing I do want to take away, because if you do look at kind of last results, last time Seattle beat LA 2-0, but that was until the very end of the match. And LA, I would say for the majority of that match, did give it to Seattle at home. So as you said, LA coming off this 5-0 victory and lots of things going for them right now. Right, and no, also no Robbie Keane, no Omar Gonzalez. Exactly, exactly. So you can't even look at that game and say, oh, that, and, and say exactly. that that and that game means anything really. Uh, what it meant was it helped Seattle, Seattle won the Sports Shield, and credit exactly. to them, great season for them. But I don't think I think anyone looking at that specific game as a sign of Seattle being able to beat LA, I, I just think they're being that's a little foolish, honestly. Uh, it's going to be a great series, um, and Seattle they have to get a goal in LA. They have to make sure that they don't uh, put themselves in too deep a hole, which they, which has happened before for them. Uh, I, I can recall the one great great series that they had where they got blown away in the first leg, and they still fight. You know, they still made it interesting in the second leg, but you don't want to give yourself too much work to do going back to Seattle because you know what, Seattle, as good as they are at home, they're not untouchable at home. They're a team that can even though even in front of that amazing crowd, mm-hmm. even even in front of even with that home field advantage. You can go at them. You can't. They will let you play. They will let you have the ball. And I think, look, FC Dallas. If they had more sharpness, they could have punished LA. But they're not a sharp team. They have some weapons. Obviously, Fabian Castillo can be dangerous. Blasper's can be dangerous. But as a unit, I think they have a lot of work uh, to do. LA Galaxy are so deadly that if you give them the kind of uh, possession and the kind of opportunities uh, with possession in the areas of the field that FC Dallas had. LA, oh, will pun- LA will punish you. So I think from that standpoint, I I, I got to go LA. It, well, and it's a good point when you say that because FC Dallas, the one thing that obviously killed them was, you know, quality finishes in the final third. And as good as Castillo's been this year, he showed that again. I mean, if you get, you know, Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan with space and time, they're probably going to put that away against the Seattle Sounders. So that one kicks off in two weeks from now on Sunday. Moving over to the Eastern Conference New York Red Bulls have advanced to the conference finals, first time since 2008. Ivis, they did lose the second leg to D.C. United. Didn't matter. They advanced on aggregate. And for New York, Ivis, last year winning the Supporters' Shield. This year, moving on in the playoffs, Petke has something going right now. And, uh, I mean, this team is playing with a lot of confidence is in, is in, and is going to present a very tough challenge in the next round against the New England Revolution. I'll tell you what, man, they are exercising all the demons. And as someone who has covered them for so many years and have seen them go through so many painful uh, moments in their history, uh, to see them once again kind of vanquish a demon, uh, and I'm talking about DC United as a playoff rival, coming into this series, they were 0-4 mm-hmm. all-time in some memorable, memorable playoff matchups where it just seemed like every single time – DC found a way, and whether it was close or whether it was a runaway, they just always, they always, you know, pull the football. Like, like it's like the Charlie Brown skit where where the where the football gets pulled away from them at the last minute. The Red Bulls just the, the, through the years, previously as the as the Metro Stars, they, it was just painful. It was just painful, and to see them go down to DC and silence the crowd there. With that big Peggy Luyendula away goal, yeah, uh, was huge because look, I tell you what, when when DC United scores that goal in the first half, Nick DeLeon uh, get, makes it one zero. All of a sudden, it, it, I, I'm sorry, anyone who who has followed New York through the years, the instant thought was, here we go again. This is going to be another painful playoff loss. 
they're going to find a way to blow this. But this team is different. This is a different team than past editions of of the of the new Metro Star slash Red Bulls. They they're a veteran group that you know during the season it didn't click for them. You know they had they had some injuries here and there, um, but just as a group they just never found that level. But I think as they got to the end of the season. Uh, that veteran group, I think, came together and uh, to a man realized, like, look, this is probably our, our last hurrah. Terry Henry, you don't know if he's coming back. And it, the sense is that he is not coming back. You don't know if Tim Cahill's coming back. Do you want Tim Cahill back? Because uh, Peggy well, Bill is taking a pretty good job taking his spot and, and having he's a good eye over his last four matches. Right, right. No, but, you know, <laughs> know but that, it's ahead, just uh, back to the point is that, you know what, the Red Bulls as a veteran group, they realize that this is it. Luis Robles, Dax McCarty, all these guys. So they're all playing at a really high level. They're playing well as a team and, and, and as well as a team. They're playing better now than they, they even played last year uh, on their way to the Supporter Shield. So having said all that, they have a really, really tough matchup because they're playing the team right now that's really the hottest team in the league in the New England Revolution. Yeah, bringing it back, you know, one reason for, for kind of New York being able to turn around is, is obviously kind of the influence of, of my pet game. I mean, what have you seen him become or kind of developed over the last two years of him taking over the New York job? Well, I think this year what we've seen is a guy who's more confident in his decisions. I think he's someone who he looks at uh, situations, and if he believes that player A should be in over player B, he does it. He makes the move. He doesn't worry about repercussions. He doesn't worry about offending anybody. And I think in the past he's done that. And I think he I kind of admitted to that after the D.C. win. He talked about uh, Peggy Luyandula and how he should have played him in the playoffs last year, but he didn't, and he regretted it. Uh, and I think this year you you see a manager, you see a head coach who's more settled in, more confident, who has more self-belief. That just comes with experience. Uh, and obviously comes with the success of winning Supporter Shield in his first year. Uh, but the confidence that he had to, to, to reshape this team, to settle them into a, a 4-2-3-1, to sit Tim Cahill toward the end of the season. This is a coach who's just doing what, what he believes and it, everything's working out, whether it's Richard Eckersley playing right back, uh, go settling in with, with the Eric Alexander, Dax McCarty defensive midfield, all the moves are working for him right now, and and they're reaping the rewards. I mean, it, it's crazy to think all of the demons, all of the things that that they'd never experienced before, they have experienced in the past year. They won their first major trophy at the end of last year. They won their first uh, their first playoff game at Red Bull Arena. Uh, they won uh, this year, obviously against against KC, and then they had their their, their first uh, chance, their first. Uh, win at home that advanced them to an, uh, another round of the playoffs, which was the KC the KC victory, and then of course DC to beat your arch rival like that. I mean that's got to be pretty sweet. But guess what? They've got one more demon to exercise, and that's the New England Revolution, a team that they've never beaten in the playoffs, a team that they hadn't beaten in New England uh, since 2002 before they won in June this year. Uh, they it had been almost 12 years since they went up there and won. And for those who don't have, you know, if you happen to be a younger listener and you don't really remember, you know, 2003, 2005, 2007, New England eliminated the Red Bulls from the playoffs. And in 2002, I, I believe they beat them in the last game of the season to pretty much cost Octavio Zambrano his job and cost them a chance at the playoffs. So, uh, I, you know, I, I was obviously covering the, the team during those years, and it, I still remember uh, the team going up to Foxborough and just coming away so disappointed 
every single time. But guess what? This Red Bulls team is completely different. Uh, all the players are gone. Uh, you know, guys like Pecky and G Heaps are on the sidelines now. So it's going to be a different series. It's going to be a great series. But you know what? For me, my money's still on New England, man, because they're just playing so well right now. Real quickly, bringing it back to DC United. On one hand, you're happy with the way the season went for you. You finished first in the Eastern Conference. You competed for the Supporters Shield, worst to first. Yes, you're excited. On the other hand, as you go into the playoffs, you fall fat on your uh, flat on your face. You know, a lot, a lot of this was in part to the fact that, which we talked about, was the absence of Luis Silva. What was that going to do for the DC United attack? As good as uh, Fabian Espindola was, I mean, he, he wasn't enough for him. Eddie Johnson, I, was, I mean, is, he, there's probably no chance of him coming back next year. Uh, just kind of a major letdown for DC to kind of just completely fall flat in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. You know, it's a series. It's a two-game series. You go up against a team like the Red Bulls who have all the talent uh, to be a good team, and they just happen to put it together at the right time. Meanwhile, you lose such a key player in Luis Silva, who was really kind of the 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 spark plug of that attack. He was kind of that uh, just – I mean, you call me almost call him the engine, although Spindle is really like the engine of that attack. But they just missed him. He was a piece that they couldn't replace. And without him – their attack was just stagnant. I mean, the first leg said it all. Their their first leg, they were a mess to, uh, offensively. Uh, and obviously, look, Eddie Johnson on this team, I just don't think he's a fit when you think about because Fabiano Spindola established himself as the as the best attacking player on the team during the season, and him and Eddie Johnson just don't fit well together. Eddie Johnson's a player you need to build your attack around to make it work. You need to build around him, uh, play. A, Pretty much play a four a four two three one or you know four five one. Have wingers who are going to provide service to him. Maybe have a playmaker to run behind him and combine and 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 feed him some through passes. But he is a guy who absolutely needs everything go, to funnel through him. And and this team and just the team just not built for that. This team, uh, Fabiano Spillo is not that kind of player. He's you know he does his own thing. Chris Pontius, Nick DeLeon, they're not traditional wingers that are pumping in service uh, to an Eddie Johnson and Eddie Johnson. I, I, so. It's not. It, he's not a good fit. He's not a good fit in this team. And you, it was pretty painful at times in the second leg uh, to see him try to combine, and he just couldn't. It just wasn't. He, he just didn't have it. To he didn't have that kind of vision of okay, this guy's getting me the ball and making the run. I got to give it back to him. There was this one moment when Fabiana Spindola, you know, he's kind of racing through the Red Bulls defense. He gives it to. Johnson and makes the run fully expecting the return pass and Eddie Johnson instantly passes it back to the goalkeeper it was like the most absurd back pass I can remember in recent memory and and there was a lot of that Eddie Johnson's just not he just what he just doesn't fit with this group um so you have to do one of two things you either have to decide you're going to build around him or you have to decide you're going to part ways with him and I really don't think DC United is going to uh shake things up and get rid of guys like De Leon and Pontius and Espindola and to no. build around Eddie Johnson, I think they're going to get rid of Eddie Johnson. No, I agree, especially some of the younger guys on the team. You still have a good nucleus to build around, and guys like De Leon continue to improve uh, every season. Moving over to the other match in the Eastern Conference, New England Revolution defeated Columbus Crew 3-1. to It was a huge mountain for the crew to climb in the first place. Uh, but just an overall solid performance from New England. Took advantage of some Columbus mistakes. We win with the goal. Jose uh, Jose Gonzalez uh, with a with like 80 yard run goal. Great finish for him. Then Teal Bunbury finished it off for New England, and uh, they did what they needed to do. Ivis. They took care of business against the Columbus Crew, and uh, it's going to be a good matchup between them and New York, as you mentioned. 
Right, without a doubt. Um, you know, they they played. They're they're just on a roll. And look, it, well, the funny thing is, they're on a roll. But that 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 game was probably one of the worst games they've played in in recent weeks. But it just shows you the level that they're at. That that they can you know not play necessarily that great at least the, the first forty minutes, and they can still win the game the way they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to give your hats off first off to Bobby Shuttleworth because Columbus came out looking to get those goals early on, and he made some big saves to make to keep it zero zero to keep the crew off the board. And I give the crew some credit because before the game even starts, we, we come to find out that Federico Higuain did not travel, yep. that he had a calf injury, which is what the team reported. He had a calf injury. He didn't even uh, travel. Um, so right off the bat, you're behind, you're already trailing by two goals and four, you had four away goals. You gave up, you lose your, your, your creative, uh, you know, the creative center of your midfield. Uh, so right there, you're like, oh man, these guys have no shot. And then you know what? They came out, they created chances, and and they couldn't put them put them home. And Lee Wynn took care of business. And I'll tell you what, this New England team was pissed off at the Columbus Crew. I think they got, I think they they used or uh, they took offense to some of the comments that the Columbus Crew made leading up to this series. Uh, I, I think the, the Columbus Crew, being a young team, maybe they got a little ahead of themselves and. Uh, made some comments about how they they beat them in the regular season. They could do it again. They feel confident. Um, they were they, they they were a little boastful, whether they meant to be or not. The comments were taken that way by the revs, and I, I I'll never forget Jermaine Jones after this match, uh, pretty much pointing out that you know what we respected them and we were quiet. They he, I didn't get the sense they had the same respect. And now we're going to play New York, and they're on holiday, and they're going on holiday. So like the, Jermaine Jones got the last laugh on that one. Uh, but look, the Reds are on a roll, man. Jermaine Jones playing well. Lee Wynn is playing some of the best soccer in the league. Yeah, um, that, so run, yeah, man, that run he had into the box for his goal was outstanding. It was yeah, yeah, man, nice, the, a nice little lofted ball from Till Bunbury. That was also equally the nice. the, the intelligence on that run. Uh, it, it just just shows you the, the the level he's playing at right now, and which is why he, he you know he got the national team call up, fully deserved national team call up. And for me, I'll put it to you like this: the Red Bulls have a ton of talent. They have Terry Henry, who can play, who who can when he's on when he's at his best is unguardable. Still in MLS, he's like you can't you can't you can't deal with him. You can't deal with him. Um, however, I I think the the Reds are just playing better as a team. I just think they're playing better as a team, and if they can keep it respectable in that first leg, I think they're gonna go in the second leg in New England and take care of business. Uh, so I could see either obviously look the Red Bulls could easily uh, win this series and get to the final. But my money's on New England just because they're playing so well as a team, and there's such a good vibe there. Um, not, not that there's not a good vibe in the Red Bulls camp, but it's a little different. It, it, in the Red Bulls locker room, the sense is it, it, it's. I mean, obviously, it was they were happy that they finally eliminated DC, but it's it's an older group, and and I think they're playing as a team that uh, knows the end is near, and they have to make the most of it. Uh, the Revs aren't playing with that kind of pressure. The Revs are just having fun. They're just having fun as a group. You saw them in the locker room after the after their win, and they and they were all, all smiles, and they're just a really relaxed group. Jermaine Jones has settled in there perfectly. Uh, not, I mean, not only has been has he been the missing piece off the on the field, but off the field he's he's fit in perfectly. Uh, all you hear from guys on the Revs is is what a nice guy he is. How there's no ego. He embraces everybody. He's just become he just walked in and become a team player. Um, so look, I just like the vibe there, and obviously the way they're playing on the field is also top notch. So I'm gonna have to go New England in the next series. 
And uh, those series will be t- – conference finals will take place on Sunday, November 23rd in the early match, New York, New England, and this later match, LA Galaxy, Seattle Sounders. The reason for this break is because the international. So before you say, oh, isn't that next week? International break, which Ivis and I will pr- slowly preview U.S. men's national team here in just a second. Before that, Ivis, other – Major League Soccer News, Chivas USA, the, the dispersal draft is set for November 19th. Every single team will be involved. And uh, before you go and write off Chivas USA, remember, they did not finish with the word re- worst record in Major League Soccer. They did improve as the season went on. And there are some pieces, Ivis, if, if you're a team looking for some players uh, that Chivas USA, you know, you have, you have Dan Kennedy, you have um, Thomas McNamara, the rookie who got injured but was having a good year for them. So, so there are some pieces for Chivas USA. And if you're a fan, it, it's going to be worth, obviously, paying attention to to see if your team picks up any of these players. There you go. You did it all. You said it all. You named everybody. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing left for me to say. You just, there's, some you other, there's some other guys you can name. Uh, oh, I, why am I going to bother talking about them? You just <laughs> you just stole the thunder. There you go. Congratulations. You got you covered Chivas USA. Well, and we can sometimes, move on. Sometimes I need to be on the soapbox, Ivis. You know? There you go. So there you can be on the Chivas USA soapbox. But yes, I agree. <laughs> there's some good talent. There's some young talent um, that that's going to definitely get snatched up, I think, uh, on that roster. Uh, but, yeah, Thomas McNamara, I'm glad you mentioned him because he's a guy who I haven't heard much about from people when they're talking about that Chivas USA team and, and, and them being being contracted. Well, oops, sorry, you're not supposed to say that word. Um, but I think Thomas McNamara, when he comes back from the knee, the knee, you know, he's coming back from the knee surgery, people forget the first month of the season, he was the most impressive rookie in the league. He, I mean, the guy looked good. So, you know, hopefully he can recover from his knee injury, uh, come back and be that same kind of dynamic player. And he's a guy who should definitely be one of the first guys on off the board there. So, um, you know, they, they, they've got quite a few players there uh, that, you know, you want to look at. Obviously, they've got some older players as well. But, you know, think about a, a young kid like the 18-year-old uh, Caleb Calvert. He's a guy who's got talent. Marky Delgado, uh, another teenager. Uh, Andrew Jean-Baptiste, too. I know he had some struggles this year, but I think he's still a talent. I think he's still someone, I mean, if you remember him uh, in Portland, I thought he did a good job in Portland, but, you know, he didn't necessarily fit uh, the system, the style that Caleb Porter wanted to play, so he moved him on. Uh, Eric Zavaleta is actually a Seattle Sanders player, so he will not be part of that uh, for anyone who might have thought that he's a part of it as well. But there's some guys there. You got Bobby Burling, who's a good veteran, uh, who can give you some depth. You got Nathan Sturgis. We can also give you some depth. Um, so th- there's players there. There's no doubt about it. There's some talent. Eric Avila, although although I have reported that he's going to leave uh, or that he's been sold. So I think he's he's not going to be a part of that either. But keep track. Keep keep an eye on that draft. Dan Kennedy's going to be, I think, I think it'll be the first name off the board. And I'm very interested to see where he winds up. Uh, Benji Hoya, Ivis, is, uh, has been, is, is, I'm sorry, is not coming back to the Chicago Fire. I find this to be interesting because, we all remember his performances with the U23s. He's one of the better players uh, in that last cycle for them. Looked great. Uh, goes Chicago Fire thinking, hey, here's a young player. Can develop, work his way up the system. Obviously, he doesn't play at all. Yes, he did get injured, but he just didn't seem to be in the plans for Frank Gallup. Uh, I mean, what, what's going on? Why can't the Chicago Fire just keep him? I mean, a talent like this, you, you think you want to keep him around, no? I don't get it either. And, I, I mean, from what I understand and from what I'm hearing, I just don't think Frank Gallup rates younger players. I don't. I don't think he's he's necessarily interested in grooming younger on younger players. I think he just wants a veteran team. Go. He wants to go get veteran players, um, and I think that's a little short sighted. You know, I think Benji Hoya. Um, fine, if you don't rate Benji Hoya, that's one thing. But I'm also hearing now that uh, you know other young guys like Victor Pineda, uh, Marco Franco, who they drafted this year in the first round and who really didn't get the factor in. 
that these guys are going to be let go as well. And look, if you're Chicago, how are you going to let go of so many young talents like that? I mean, you it's okay, fine. I get if you if you prefer veterans, that's all well and good. But I think you need to be develop. If you're a coach in this league, you need to be able to develop young players. You absolutely need to. And I just looking at the team that that he put out on the field this year. Where was the young talent that was really developed? Obviously, yes, Harrison Ship. You can point to him, but how much developing did he need? The guy was a stud from day one. He was a, you know, he was my rookie of the pick, rookie of the year pick before he ever even put on a Chicago Fire uniform. So that that one, are you going to necessarily give him credit? And I'm I'm rem- reminded of Hans Baca in New York, a guy who, you know what, he had his success here and there, but the guy could care less about young players. I mean, he wanted no part. Uh, of of having to work with and develop younger players. And in this league, you have to do that. You have to be able to do that. You can't constantly just rely on international signings and picking up veterans off the scrap heap and making trades. You need to develop young talent if you're going to have a successful team in this league. And if they really are going to get rid of guys like Pineda, Marco Franco, and, and pretty much purge their team of young talent, uh, I just think that's shocking. I mean, it can't just be, oh, let's go get Eric Torres, and that'll make everything all, all well and good. I don't buy that one at all. Aren't, so I, aren't, you know, aren't they at least owed Eric Torres for not getting Jermaine Jones? I mean, no, because they also were gift wrapped Mike McGee. <laughs> let's not forget that. Because as much as the Galaxy, well, never that, came and, that out, tra- and that trade has worked out more in favor of the LA Galaxy too. I mean, it's, come on, it's, Robbie it, Rogers has been better in that trade. Mike McGee was MVP last year. Or did you forget that? Uh, no, I not. I did not forget that. But the point I'm saying well, is, uh, as, of, as of right now, Robbie Rogers uh, it's, it's, is better. It's, it's than, more, it, it, more of an uh, impact on his team. You can't than just say right now. You get because it's not just right now. It's over the the trade was uh, more than a year and a half ago. Like you can't just oh okay today it's a better trade. Like no, that's not how you rate trades. The trade right now is looking better uh, for LA than it did uh, last year. So it's working out. Okay, it's working out decently. But listen, you still Mike McGee is still a top player. Just because he got hurt this year does not mean all of a sudden the guy can't play. Like, let's settle down with that. Robbie Rogers is playing well, playing really well as a left back. But any suggestions that they got the better end of that trade? L.A. is crazy. It's still crazy. Okay. You can disagree, but I'm going to disagree with you. Um... you. You can be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you, hey, you could be wrong too. You are wrong sometimes, Ivis. I'm seldom wrong and always right. That's not true. Um, <laughs> uh, some other major league soccer news. It's finally official. Jim Curtin is the head coach of the Philadelphia Union. Nice to finally see it happen. Snooze. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, look, he was always going to be the guy. I mean, it, this whole charade was hilarious to me, and I know they're going to stand by this idea. Uh, until until the day they die, that that the job wasn't his, but the job was his. They gave him the job, they signed him to the deal, and they wanted to wait for the right time to announce it. Uh, and guess what? The right time never really came. So then they just went with Plan B, which was let the sm- let the dust settle, and then hopefully you know people will have calmed down from the disappointment of the end of the season, uh, and then just make the hire anyway. And you know what? That's fine because I personally think Jim Curtin is a, is a good hire. I know they didn't end the season necessarily that well, but I'll look at the couple of months that he had in the summer into the fall right up to the Open Cup loss, Open Cup final loss. And I saw a coach who really had really had that team playing for him. And I know it's hilarious. I find it hilarious. The people who will say, oh, yeah, but Hackworth. It was the same thing with John Hackworth. And I'm sorry, folks, but I like when I look 
and, and again, if we're, I don't subscribe to this notion that he was just hired. I subscribe to the reality that he was hired weeks ago. And from when he was actually hired, from when he took over to when he was actually hired, their record was significantly better than Hackworth's record was before he officially finally got the job uh, as interim. And so, so uh, you know what? I, I'm sure people will say, oh, it's, it's the same situation. Curtin's going to struggle the same way with Hackworth. I, you know what? Personally, I think he's going to do well. I think he's got the right temperament. It's still going to come down to player personnel with them because they've got some big decisions to make this offseason. Uh, Amobi Akugo could very well leave. I think he, you know, he, he definitely could go to Europe. You have to figure out what's going to happen with Marisa Du. Are you ready to pay the money that it's going to take to keep him? Because he does have a purchase option. The union can buy him, but he is going to cost a pretty penny. So they have to invest there. Um, they, they do have to tweak some things. They have to decide what they're going to do with the goalkeeping situation. I would imagine Ryzen Boley is going to stick around and Zach and Matt's going to get traded. Um, so, yeah, you know, they're going to have to shake things up. No doubt about it. They have to go get a forward, uh, a stud forward, uh, you know, because in this league, you need to have a forward. Unless you have a Lee Wynn who's scoring 18, 20 goals, fine. But you need to have a forward who's a money guy who's going to get you 15 to 20 if you're going to be a legitimate contender. And as much as, look, Andrew Wenger, I thought he showed well. I thought he started to, to really kind of settle in and look better as the season went on. But you need to go get yourself a high-profile Big money for not big money, but a uh, a serious upgrade at forward if you're going to be at all a contender in the for the playoffs next year. Why don't they just go get uh, Eddie Johnson? Uh, <laughs> I don't think they want any part of Eddie Johnson. I I, I mean I I mean to tell you the truth, man. I, I I would be very interested to see what the list of teams that would really want Eddie Johnson would be because remember now he's on bigger money now. Yeah, he signed a new deal. He's on bigger money. Um, someone's going to, I mean, he's going to have to get paid. I'm pretty sure it's a guaranteed deal, uh, in 2015. Um, so we'll see where he winds up, but you know what? You know, if I'm Philly, I'm, I'm, you know, they, they need to go hit the international market and go find themselves a forward or well, finding forwards within the league is never easy. Um, because no one wants to get rid of their, their forwards. Right. I mean, I know Jack McInerney was there and they got rid of him, but, uh, there seems to be a, a backstory there that has yet to emerge. Nick Sakevich kind of hinted at it uh, recently, but he st- obviously he didn't talk about it. But uh, you know, maybe it'll never be known publicly why Jack McInerney was traded from there. But you know what? I, they need someone bigger than that. Even they need they need to they need to get themselves a big ticket forward. Big ticket forward. Hmm. What about Josie Altidore? He needs some playing time. Stop it! <laughs> He's not coming to MLS. It's not happening. Uh-uh. I it's not look Jurgen Klinsmann will, will <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann will hide Josie Altidore's passport if he thinks about coming to MLS. Uh, well, speaking of the U.S. men's national team, you will be heading over to the uh, to England and then to Ireland to catch the games coming up for the U.S. We'll be taking on Republic of Ireland in Ireland, obviously, and Colombia at Craven Cottage. The roster did uh, come out. Jurgen did announce it. Uh, healthy mix, Ivis, of some younger players, some older guys. And as Jurgen said, he wants the veteran players. I can, you can do the accent better than I can. But he wants the veteran guys to teach the younger guys uh, the ropes. I think some people were surprised to see guys like Chris Wondolowski, Kyle Beckerman here. Um, but it's it's two matches at the end of 2014. They don't mean that much. You know, It's more important for some of these younger guys. And hey, I mean, they're going to learn from the guys who've been around the block. It's It's not too bad to learn from some of these guys. Right, and, and I, I do think it, it is interesting to hear Klinsman 
just come out and say it that you know he wants these older guys to to almost like teach uh to to be kind of these peer mentors slash teachers for this younger generation um and yeah there were some guys who i didn't i didn't know we were gonna see again i didn't think we were gonna see beasley again right this at this point in time um i know look i know he looked great against belgium in the last game of the world cup but he also didn't look good at all uh in in houston in his time in houston i know i was you know obviously rough rough for him you know he got injured and everything but you know it's still worth it to bring him in uh to help kind of help him groom his replacement i mean you know you get a guy like greg garza who's a young player uh coming along as a pro and as a national team uh left back option you bring in a guy like beasley who can show him the ropes uh same thing with kyle breckerman and jermaine jones when you have a young young midfielder like Alfredo morales i think that helps him um so yeah, and then you have Rubio, Ruben, and Jordan Morris, a couple of uh, teenage forwards who could absolutely be a big part of the next Olympic qualifying cycle. And you can, when you can have them around, a guy like Wondolowski was such a gr- consummate professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that can only help. So I get that. I get, and I know some people will say, "Oh, wait, wait, why do we have to do this? Why don't we bring in all young guys? Or why? Where's Jossie Zardes? Where's uh, Matt he- Matt Hedges? Where's?" Uh, you know, all these guys. And 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 you can't have all young guys. I said it before and I say it again. You can't bring in a camp of 24 young guys. You can't. You need somebody to buy the beer. No, I'm just kidding. You need somebody who's the who you need someone who's the veteran. You need you need you need some veterans to tell the stories and to pass along the knowledge and wisdom and and and, and you know, you can't have a full team of young guys and so I totally get it. And, and you know, I just wrote a piece on on the roster uh, for Goal.com tonight, actually. It, uh, it, it'll be up. It should be up already. But if you're listening to this, you can go on the site and you can check it out. And kind of one of the um, points I make is that, you know, there's a bit of there's a gap. There's a generational void right now. Uh, when you think about the 24 to 28 year range, there's just not as many players established players in that age range that are national team players right now and because of that you have younger guys in the 24 and under 23 and under who are who are just not established yet and then you have all these older guys who are still among the best in the pool but they're older Kyle Breckerman DeMarcus Beasley Jermaine Jones uh Nick Romando so you know if you're Klinsman how do you close the gap because it's not just a matter of, oh, we're finding guys age 25 to 28 and see who the best of that age range is. Like, th- there's just not that many good ones that are, or, or, or at least guys that are ready to, to contribute. Obviously, Lee Wynn is an example of a guy who's kind of had that uh, career renaissance and, and is really coming to his own again. Um, but you well, know the, what? He, the, the he's only, an exception. He's the, an exception. Well, the only guy kind of in that range that you talk about, a guy who, who is who is between those ages who can actually come in, provide the impact, the only one's Aaron Hansen. He's still coming back from his injury. You can maybe also include Terrence Boyd, but you're exactly right. I mean, you look at the list. Of, of, you know, I wrote quickly down a list. There's, there's not many guys, as you mentioned, that are going to come off who are you know, 24, 25, 26 in their prime and going to be the leader of this team. It's it's a huge, huge, huge gap right, right. now. Right. It's really, I mean, on the team, there's Michael Bradley, who's injured, uh, and Josie Altador. I mean, those are the two guys that have been the pillars of that age group, of that age kind of range. And look, I think Boyd, I, I consider Boyd, uh, Boyd and Johansson to be younger. They, they're part of the younger. That's they're true. At the top true. End, they're top end of the younger ge- uh, generation. I think Altador, just for when he came in and the number of caps he already has, uh, there's just not as many. I mean, you have obviously Fabian Johnson as well, who's kind of come along, uh, uh, who's now established himself, even though he's not getting minutes in Mochengladbach. 
Um, but there, there just there should be more guys in that age group factoring into the national team setup. And because there's not as many, and because you have so many of these younger prospects, Klinsman's in a bit of a bind, you know, and he 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 needs these younger guys to grow up quickly to help fill that void. So what can he do? He he can take these younger oh he can take these older guys and maybe hold on to them for longer than you would normally do do that. Because let's face it, you know, with the ages that, uh, you know, with, with a Beasley and a Beckerman, like if we're if this is another national team, if this is like a top national team in the world, you're not calling guys in that at that age uh, at the start of a new World Cup cycle. It just doesn't really happen. But obviously it's unique in the U.S. You, you, because of this gap, because of this void. Uh, and, and you know what? Yes, there are these young guys who, who do need to get looks at a certain point. Like Matt Hedges, Will Trapp, Perry Kitchen, Jossie Zardes. There's a lot of these younger guys mm-hmm. who need to get looks, especially MLS-based guys. Well, and you know when they're going to get their look? They'll get it at the January camp, and you can, and that's where you can catapult your name. It's that national team picture. Yes. So you know what? They're going to get their chance. So uh, you know anyone that's kind of hand wringing over guys like Beasley and Beckerman and, and Wanda Lasky are getting called in. It's like, no, man, this is not going to be a U23, <laughs> U24 camp. You got to have some older guys to kind of show these younger guys the ropes. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I did find it funny. Yeah, some of the comments were, oh, my God, these guys again? Do we have anyone? Then Dempsey was left off the roster, and everyone's like, oh, see, I told you he's not going to make the 2018 World Cup. It's 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 such a long time before the World Cup. And, and yes, you want to see that progression, but a lot's going to change. You're going to have January camp. Then you're going to have some guys are going to step up in Major League Soccer next year too. Maybe some guys abroad. A lot will happen. I mean, you mentioned some of the young guys uh, that are coming into camp. Rubio Rubin, Bobby Wood. Ivis, that's a guy, you know, maybe a little more confidence. You know, he kind of saw flashes of it, you know, a little more. Um, he's not – I mean, it's funny. He's actually not in a good spot because he uh, he's fallen out of favor at 1860. Uh, you know, he went from where he was getting regular playing time to now not so much. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he, both he and John Brooks, got called in despite the fact that they aren't getting time with their clubs, and it's almost like this is kind of a uh, an, a, a morale booster for those guys to get them away from their their disappointing club team setups. Um, and obviously, Klinsman likes both those guys and rates them both, and you know they've showed some quality here and there. Obviously, before look Brooks at the World Cup with the goal against Ghana, so you're not going to just throw them out, throw them away, right? But I I did find it somewhat interesting that he calls those guys in. Uh, even with their club situations. So Lee Wynn, he has been called in before. So this isn't his first time being called to the national team. He does have three caps. Uh, but for, for all the people that kept saying, when's Lee Wynn going to get called up? When's Lee Wynn going to get up? He finally gets his call up here. I think he's going to get some serious playing time. But you know, I, I kind of want to, I guess, maybe curb the expectations. I don't think he's going to go to this international level, especially against Colombia, and do what he's doing against the New England Revolution. So if he falters, I mean, everyone needs to take it easy. I don't think anyone thinks. Is anyone really think that? I think that? some is people that, are going to think that, though, man. I don't think anyone really thinks that. I think some, I think some no. people will. Some people Then the haters some will. People, <laughs> some people think that space travel is uh, uh, the shuttle missions are, are a hoax or, or the world is flat. doesn't mean – like who cares if, if a handful of people are dumb enough to think that? That's just not reality, okay? Lee Wynn is playing out of his mind, playing with a ton of confidence. He should uh, get some minutes with the U.S. And you know what? Maybe he'll show some flashes, but – He's not going to go up to the international level and play a team like Colombia and dominate. It's just not happening. But it'll be good for him to get on the field if he gets on the field. I thought it was interesting Jermaine Jones saying that, you know, maybe we could, you know, we could see him starting against Colombia. And and you know what? That would be such a Klinsman thing to do to start Lee Wynn 
uh, just as the like, here you go. You guys keep asking now. Here he is. Let's see what he can do against a top opponent. Um, and yeah, maybe that'll happen. And I, I'd be very interested to see that, actually. I hope it does happen. Also, uh, Miguel Ibarra was called up. That's the player that plays for Minnesota United. Also, Jordan Morris from Stanford. Uh, I, I mean, I've, obviously, I Gergen still likes these guys. Uh, I mean, getting their second call up in, in consecutive months. I mean, Jordan Morris did not receive a cap, but I mean, do you think he'll get a cap this time? Will Ibarra receive more playing time? Uh, I think Ibarra should get some time. I think he'll get more than he got, obviously, in October. Um, as far as Morris goes, I did find it interesting that he goes here instead of the U20 camp. Um, but, look, he's a young – for anyone still kind of – I don't know. I, I do get the sense that there's some who, who are asking, why is a college kid getting called up? He's not just a college kid. He is a stud prospect who would already be in MLS if he wanted to be. He turned down – a homegrown player contract offer from Seattle, they would already have him on their roster. I mean, I, I had people tell me uh, earlier in the year, going back to the very beginning of the year, that he was that you know they were when they saw him with the team training with the first team that he was better than Eddie Johnson already. So I mean, this kid can play just because he's chosen to stay in college and he wants to get that education. Look, Stanford University. Let's face it, it's a big time school. You can get your education there and have that college experience. Uh, you know, his father's the doctor, he's the team doctor for the Sounders. So, you know what? He, he's not someone who's like, oh, he needs to feed the family and he has to sign a contract and leave school. Like, he can afford to wait. Uh, but the kid is is legit. He is absolutely legit. Um, so, anyone who's still like, why is Klinsman calling the college kids? Like, no, it's not. No, it's not the. You're not seeing a bunch of these. This is a one case. This is one kid who is absolutely legitimate. So, instead of the whole, why in the world is he in? It should be, oh, man, I need to see this kid to see why in the heck he's in because there has to be a reason for that. So let, let, let's, uh, you know, let's wait and see on uh, before anyone passes judgment on this call up. Ask Ray Barra. It is positive. Uh, you know, he he obviously early on in the last camp, he, he was stru- he struggled a bit. Uh, the speed of play and just him adjusting to the new level. Now he comes into a second camp. He should be more confident. Uh, he should feel a little more comfortable the second time around. And hopefully it allows him to really show everything that he can give you. He's obviously got that quickness on the wing. Klinsman needs quick wingers. Uh, there's just hasn't. There's just not enough of them uh, in this up. It, you know, it, there's a bit of a void there that they can't. He can use a few more guys like that. So, you know what? Maybe Abaro uh, will get more minutes this time around. Uh, bringing it back real quickly to, to Stanford and, and Jordan Morris. They're number two, Ivis, in the latest RPI. So yes, they are a very good team. Also. If uh, Jordan goes to the U.S. Men's National Team, he will always. I don't think the reason why he didn't get the U20 call up. Um, this also means that he's, he he'll be missing the College Cup if he if he goes on this. So I don't know how important that is to him, but just wanted to point that out there. Uh, bringing it back real quickly to to NASL. Uh, speaking of Ibarra, his team lost um, in the playoffs or NASL for the Soccer Bowl, um, losing to the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And in uh, the other side, San Antonio has advanced to the NASL championship match. So you're going to see San Antonio Scorpions versus Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Ivis in the NASL championship match or the soccer bowl. Now, listen, no offense to the folks in San Antonio or the folks in Fort Lauderdale. But if I'm an NASL, if I'm an NASL official, I'm probably a little disappointed at the outcome of these semifinal series. Because, you know what, you wanted to have either Minnesota or the Cosmos in this final. Because, look, Minnesota, you've obviously got the, the great support there. 
You've got uh, Miguel Ibarra with the national team angle. You've got Christian Ramirez, the best player in the league. Uh, also someone that Klinsman has talked about. Uh, and then obviously the Cosmos for the Cosmos. You have a chance to play the final in New York. And if the Cosmos had beaten San Antonio, the final would be in New York. An opportunity to get some buzz for the league. But not you didn't get either of them in. Now you've got San Antonio. You've got Fort Lauderdale in a final that just doesn't have national appeal. And look, no, that's nothing. Look, it, it, I'm sure San Antonio could give two craps about that. I mean, they, they, they've had a good season. Good, they're, they're good, uh, the good fall campaign for them. They, they, they deserve to be in the final. And look, Fort Lauderdale, questionable call, gets them in, uh, gets them into, uh, gets them an equalizer, and they, and they, they upset Minnesota in Minnesota. Uh, so look, you got to give those teams credit for doing what they had to do to get to the final. Um, but you know, I think as anyone as a casual follower of the league, uh, it, it, it was pretty disappointing. Uh, but look, credit to San Antonio and Fort Lauderdale for getting the job done. Uh, the Soccer Bowl Championship will be held on, uh, excuse me, on November fifteenth. That's uh, this Saturday. I was said in San Antonio, who also the San Antonio Scorpions have one of the nicer, you know, lower division so- soccer soccer specific stadiums. It's quite nice, actually. If you have yeah, not man. seen it, if you have not seen it, so check it out. If you have a chance to watch a live stream, watch it. Their their stadium is awesome, and the future plans they have for it are are also. Uh, also very cool. Also San Antonio draw as well. So it will be a good championship match uh, on Saturday for the Soccer Bowl. Yeah, no, I mean, hopefully they'll, they'll draw well. They they usually draw well, San Antonio. Um, and obviously there there's talk there about MLS and them trying to push for an MLS team. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And look, for Fort Lauderdale as well, when you're talking about a team with new ownership, they got to, they've gotten to the final. If they could kind of pull off the surprise where they, they go from looking like, you know, they might not even make the playoffs – to now potentially winning the whole thing. I mean, I, I think that would be a nice jump start and maybe propel their ownership group to start spending some money now that you have those deep-pocketed owners that have stepped in there and have taken over the strikers. And Ivis, you are less than 24 hours um, from heading over to England. You're going to be in London watching the U.S. men's national team. I mean, everyone, everyone wants to know, <laughs> when, what, what is the first thing you're going to do when you get to England? <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to have to hustle to uh to my hotel to drop off my bag and then find a way to get to Tottenham's training facility which is like on the other side of town uh I already had to change my flight I changed my flight tonight to get there even earlier I'm gonna get there at like 6 a.m uh it's gonna be just straight craziness uh right away because Jur- Jurgen Klinsman decided he wanted to have a 9:30 a.m availability mm. on the other side of the world with the other side of town two hours away from Heathrow uh, so yeah, so that'll be step one. Step two will be trying to get either credentials or a ticket to Argentina, Croatia, which is taking place Wednesday night at White Hart Lane. Uh, you gotta love London, man. There's all—I mean, there's all sorts of games. You got, you know, th- that game. You got the U.S. to Colombia on Friday. You've got England playing uh, at Wembley on Saturday. I'm, I'm working on getting getting to that game before I, before I head to, to to Dublin on Sunday. Um, so yeah, man, it just, it's a, obviously it's a, it's a, one of the great soccer cities in the world. Uh, and, and you're really getting that sense just going there and you see the no, the number of matches that are, that are taking place. Um, so it's great. It's great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's not my first time there. It's, uh, it's my second time in London. Uh, it'll be my first trip to London, uh, first trip to Dublin. Uh, looking forward to that. I don't, I've only heard great things about Dublin. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. I, you know, I, there's just so much going on with the playoffs and all that. And I, I, for a second, I, will, I almost was going to back out of the trip. Uh, but you know what? I'm on my way. I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. And, and I will be bringing 
Uh, everybody reports from England, both on Gold.com as well as SBI Soccer. So make sure you keep an eye out for those. And uh, hopefully, knock on wood, the internet connections at my hotel will be legit so we can uh, have uh, an SBI show preview on Thursday. I think they'll be pretty good this time. It's not going to be, you know, it's not like you're down in Central America and <laughs> searching for hours for internet. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah. No, it should be good. So uh, we'll see. You know, it's a it's an interesting group. Uh, you got a, a lot of veterans and a lot of young guys um, in this camp. And look, Columbia, man, they are a tough team. This one could get ugly. I'm, I'm gonna be straight. This one could. This one could get out of hand. Uh, Columbia, man, there's so much firepower that they have. Uh, you know, obviously everyone knows James, but then you got Jackson Martinez. You got uh, so many weapons there, as we saw at the World Cup. So they they are not gonna make it easy. I think you're gonna see Jermaine Jones at center back again. Uh, and, and you know what? He it, it, that's gonna be a great test for him. I think he'll do well. Actually, I think he's gonna continue to do well at center back. Uh, but not easy by any means for them. But you know what? We might see a lineup that's going to look a lot like the the team that uh, the starting the starting team we kind of got used to in Brazil. Um, have you packed yet? No, I knew it. <laughs> I told you last week. I told you last week that you weren't going to pack for it. I knew it. I haven't. Well, to be, hey, my flight's uh, at, at like five p.m. tomorrow. So I guess not too bad. I guess that's not too bad. I'll start packing at like eleven. Where are you, where are you flying out of? Uh, Newark, man. Come Newark? on. Oh. I, I don't know. Newark to Heathrow, and then Heathrow to Dublin on Sunday, and uh, and then we'll get the uh, I- U.S. Ireland on on Tuesday, and that should that should be a good one as well. Yeah, sounds like a Rob- sounds like a good trip. How come you're not taking me? Come on, man. <laughs> one day, one day, when we're big time, when when we have our own uh, our own show, well, our own TV show, we'll do it. I'm okay with that. I like that idea. One day. <laughs> yeah. How about you, man? You're uh. You're still coming down on the, off the high of your college football, college's football team uh, having more glory. Yeah, well, I'm surprised you're not giving me crap about going to college football games. Uh, at this point, I think I just now will just talk about it and let everybody else make fun of you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I, I look. I went to a big time school. Glory. If you went to a big time school, glory you'd be the days. same way. Glory days. No, man, my glory days were post post college. I, I know. Post, I, 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 my glory days are when I turned 21 because then I didn't live in the <laughs> constant fear of, you know, getting an MIP or an MIC because then when you're 21, you just don't care anymore. Like you can <laughs> drink and you don't have to worry about getting busted by the cops. So that's, I had more fun after 21. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know. I, I don't, like, I agree with you. I think, man, yeah, if I had gone to a D1 school and, and they were like a great football team, I'd probably still be holding on to the college, whole college connection uh look nothing and then there's nothing wrong with my alma mater rampo college i uh, i proudly represent rampo college but uh but I, I don't know i just think it's funny i just think it's funny when when anyone older than say 24 or 25 is still kind of putting on all the garb and then tailgate and and, and uh, i don't know i guess it's still i i guess it's still it's not that different than being a fan of a pro team i guess i i guess i get it the, it's the, just it just seems you let's face you will admit there's people that hold on a little too long and no no too, i agree oh. a little a little overboard when it comes to their whole alma mater and, and oh no i agree 100 percent. the tailgate that i go to is everyone that plays on mostly people playing my co soccer team but some of the guys were in fraternities and like i was in a fraternity but like i'm, I'm not like a frat star and, like, some of these guys, like, they're nice guys, but they'll just be like, oh, yeah, my frat. Like, this one time we did this, and it was so sick. I'm just like, dude, I just don't care. Nah. Greek life, <laughs> it was, like, an extension of high school. There are some guys who do that. But it, but it's different. I mean, I spend nothing to go to a college football game. I mean, I, without getting, you know, huge logistics. I mean, 
going to an NBA game or NFL game, man, it's expensive now, man. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And college I mean, game, I spend like forty bucks for good tickets. If I went to an NFL game, it'd be like one hundred fifty bucks. NBA would be like eighty bucks. Right, and then you don't get to see the hot ASU coeds. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you can't talk about that. My bad. Oh my god! After ASU, <laughs> one, we went to this place called Mill. I was thinking about taking you there when the U.S. was out here. It's right next to ASU. It's like a quarter mile stretch of like twenty bars. I nice. was, it, it was, it was insane. Next time we got to get into the USA game out there. I know that's the problem is that the game has to be on a weekend because Mill's like one of those places like it's a weekend place because when we had our party it was like a Tuesday night right I think it was something like that right yeah I'm a, yeah uh, well I'll tell you what I, I'll I'll be on this road trip I I don't think I'll be partying too hard I'll, I'll be taking it easy there's so much to catch up on but although I think Dublin I'll have to have a few pints that's all you hear about is, is how how good the nightlife is in Dublin really I've never heard that before who'd you who'd you hear that from. I hear all everybody I've talked to that's ever spent time in Dublin and said what a really? great time it was. Yeah, Dublin man, it's popping. It's Ireland. Come on, you know the Irish know how to party. Come on. If anything, if I've learned anything in in covering four World Cups, is that the Irish know how to party. Really? And not that the Irish and not that the Irish are in the World Cup all the time, but <laughs> even when they're not, even up. even when they're not in the World Cup, they they show up. But when they're in the World Cup, forget about it. I'll never forget too. <laughs> I'll never forget this seed. Now, in two, the 2002 World Cup in South Korea, I will fully, I will fully admit that I, I partied my ass off. I, I worked hard and I played hard. I, I, I rode all day. I partied all night. I slept three hours a day for a month. I, 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 I don't know how I even survived. But I'll never forget one, one of the nights uh, in Seoul. Uh, you know, some we were at some club, and it, 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 you know, it's one of those clubs where it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, there's no wind. It's not, it's dark in there. You're, you're partying. You don't know what time it is, and then you go outside, and it's like bright daylight, you know, and you feel like <laughs> you feel like a vampire, you know, and you walk outside, and it's bright daylight. Uh, so they close the place. It's like six a.m., and everyone goes outside. And a bunch of Irish fans were there, so we're all outside, and they all just start chanting like, "You closed it too early," or some 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 hilarious. Ch- it's six a.m. It's like people are going to work. Uh, it's you know, it's just hilarious. So. I, uh, I, good. So many good times uh, in 2002, and the Irish fans were the MVPs. They 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 were the golden golden uh, boot winners among fans uh, back in that World Cup. And you know what? <laughs> if that offered any any kind of sense of what it's going to be like in Dublin, then I can't wait to go to Dublin. Who who what country party the most at uh, this past World Cup then? Ah, that's okay. you know the Argentines, man. I mean, look, obviously Brazilians are there. It's it's in Brazil, but the you know Argent Ar- the Argentina was well represented. They came out in full force, uh, and and, uh, and and Americans. There were a ton. Of, I, look, you could not, you cannot wave your arm in Brazil without hitting an American. Uh, there, there were a ton of Americans there partying as well. So I think, I think those two were were Americans and Argentine Argentinians were two that stood out for me. See, I've never partied. I guess around Irish people have always for some reason been more around Australians, and Australians they party really hard too. I, I yes, I am fully aware of of of, of the uh, of how the Australians uh, also Dan- Denmark Dan- the Dan- Danes really? are pretty the Danes, Danes, really? are, huh. Danes Danes are pretty crazy man I will tell you Danes are pretty crazy they weren't uh, they weren't in this last World Cup but they, in previous World Cups I've I've uh, experienced some some Danish uh, party power really interesting yeah 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 you'd be surprised yeah, man. I would you'd... be surprised <laughs> although to be surprised. fair like if you think about it like you can't you also can't like assume a whole country is the way that their their craziest people are you know because just you got to remember like people who are who who drop everything and 
go to the World Cup no matter where it is, like, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna party their ass off no matter what. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not always necessarily a fair representation. Although, look, let's be fair. I think Irish Irish people know how to party, so we'll see if that we'll see if that sends sends true. Yeah, we'll see. You you'll be a you'll be our uh, eyewitness reporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm getting old, man. I'm not. I can't party like I used Stop to. Stop acting like you're old, man. I'm getting. I, I'm feeling it, man. I'm feeling it. Oh my god. I mean, I'll still I'll still I'll still find a way to get out, but I'm not a kid if anymore. If anything, I go home before you when we're out. This is true. This is still true. So, I mean, you're not too old yet. No, no. So, hey, now, uh, L.A., they're looking good again, the Galaxy, so that MLS Cup in L.A. still may happen. <laughs> you, be, you better start making plans already for to have your, your, your girlfriend's birthday party in L.A. Dude, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I'm still trying to figure that one out. All right. We'll make it out. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I, trust me, man. I'm trying here. <laughs> you know, if you listen, I'm, I'm not. I, it won't come from me. But you know, if you don't come to Maleska, I think our listeners are going to start calling your girlfriend the Yoko Ono. Do you keep of, saying uh, that? Of, so of the, of, she's going to be the Yoko Ono of the SBI show. And for you 20-somethings who have no idea who the hell Yoko Ono is, she was the girlfriend of John Lennon who was blamed for breaking up the Beatles. Oh, come so. on. Everyone knows. Everyone should know who that nah, is. Not everybody knows that. Not everybody knows that story. Come on. So, yes, we are, we are, we are, the, we are the Beatles, and she could be Yoko. <laughs> she could break us up. It's, it's something... She's like hardcore about. I don't know. It's, birthdays to me are meaningless. I don't, I don't see why we celebrate birthdays. But I know. Uh, yeah. Not well. You know what? When you're younger, they, uh, or, or I think, I think for w- women, women do they mean they do mean something more for women. But I think when, as you, as a guy, as you get older, it's like whatever. Like it just is what it is. Yeah. Like um, I'm turning 28. That, that's a reminder that I'm no longer like. Yeah, man. I, I'm not yeah. 18 anymore. I'm not 21. Like yeah. I'm freaking 28. Like I don't want. I don't want to be reminded of that. <laughs> no, nah, but you know what? I think the number, I think the big numbers you should try to try to enjoy, like your thirtieth or your fortieth. Or now, I mean, not that I did anything for my fortieth, but um, but yeah, you know, when you get to your thirtieth, we'll, we'll plan it out. We'll make sure that your thirtieth birthday party is memorable. Where is? Oh, this is when I'm in New York, right? We have a, a studio show. Hey, entirely possible. It could happen. Yes, sir. Well, at least the at least the you being in New York part, hopefully. That could that could also happen. Or, or maybe, see. or maybe you get a job in L.A. You never know. Mm, eh, I, I don't see that happening. I'm just, you never know, Iris. Uh, East Coast, everything's in the East Coast, man. There's like 17 MLS teams on the East Coast. Dude, why? Why would you? Don't you want to live in L.A.? It's so much nice. It's I, I feel it's like warmer. Look, I, you got the beach. The beach, L.A. Look, L.A. is a nice place to visit, and I'm sure it's a great place to live. But I'm I'm an East Coast guy, man. It's just it, it's that's who I am, man. I can't. I mean, look. For the right price, obviously I'd go, I'd go. But uh, I don't know, man. I like, I, I love the ability. And this, this weekend, this weekend encompassed it perfectly. It, it, uh, it's great to be able to, if I want, drive down to DC to see DC United game, drive to Philly to see the Union, drive to Boston to Foxborough to see the Revolution, and now next year drive to the Bronx to see NYCFC. I mean, it's just there's nowhere else in the country you can just be centrally located and get to so many uh destinations. I mean, it's just it's just perfect, man. I'm uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm going anywhere. I guess that's a good point. Yeah, man. It, it's it's it, it's 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 a, it's a fair point, I guess. This weekend was perfect, sound, man. We we were we, you know, I went to I, I, we had the whole SBI crew uh, down in DC, it was uh, me, Ra- Ryan Tomich, our managing editor, 
and I know his friends listen to the show and 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 get and, and go crazy when they hear his name. Uh, <laughs> he was he came along, and then obviously Franco uh, Panizo came along as well. So all three of us rolled down to D.C. We chilled out in D.C. Friday night, had a good time, hit Nando's up, and then Saturday we went to the game. We drove back after the game, slept at home, and then Sunday morning, boom, we took off. Me and Franco with our our buddy Jerry Hawkins. Uh, another reporter, um, <laughs> Jerry. Reporter. Jerry's awesome, man. Right, Jerry. Yeah, for, for those that don't know Jerry Hawkins, he 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 reports for the uh, for German outlets uh, for German uh, German media outlets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Jerry's cool, dude. If you ever catch him at a bar, hang out, with Jerry. I love Jerry. No, he's great. He always has. He always has like the craziest stories. He also runs his own roller coaster. <laughs> I know <laughs> website. He reviews roller coasters. He ri- he basically rides roller coasters for a living. Which I gotta say is one of the coolest jobs you can imagine. Uh, but anyway, we drove we drove all the way to to, to Gillette, um, saw the game, covered it, came back, drove all the way back same night. I mean, you can't do that anywhere else, folks. Obviously, if you lived in Portland, you could then you could you know, or if you lived in Seattle, Seattle, yeah, you could go to Portland, you could go to Vancouver, uh, you could fly down to L.A. I mean, it, it, it's a little you know, it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same. This is really the. The place to be, and even with Orlando, man, the, you, there's always cheap flights from Newark to Orlando. Uh, I'm looking forward to next year, man. I gotta say, man, there's so much going on in the area. And then you have the new New York team, so you have two teams in New York. I guess. Yeah, you got three. You got the Cosmos too. Don't forget about the Cosmos. So, um, I mean, yeah, man, good times. I mean, think about it. You could be at, you could be like DC on Friday night. Let's say there's a Friday night game, and then Saturday you could be like at like the Red Bulls games in the afternoon. Then NYCFC's at night, and then on Sunday you could drive up to like New England or well, Philadelphia. That's what, well, Think about well, that. well, I, I, I guess you forgot. Just a month ago, we, I did the three games in three days. That's right. That's right. We went, went to the went to the Union game, the Rise and Bowley Blunder game, and then we were in DC for DC Casey, and then the next night we were in uh, at Red Bull Arena. And I mean, it, it's great, man. You got it, it. Who who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love the ability to do that? I, I why well, I don't know I, I've never experienced that before I was so I can't, I can't well, you will that. listen you, we all know you're gonna move out here so we'll I don't, make it I don't I don't I don't know man that's when we'll start the daily SBI show because because all, all I keep hearing is that we need to do a daily show oh God could you imagine if we did a daily show I really couldn't I think I mean if we li- look I think it would help that we if we lived on the same coast because oh definitely. our schedules just suck so bad to, to find and, and I apologize for those for everybody who who you know it, more often more often than not I feel like in the last month or so we 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 haven't pulled off our Friday show um, our schedule is just tough with our schedules but you know what um, if we lived in the same time in the same re- re- area I think we could definitely pull off way uh, way more shows I agree so we'll see maybe yeah. it'll happen 2015 never know <laughs> stay tuned America yeah uh, daily shows could you imagine. Oh my god! That'll, who, who, that'll, who, who, that'll, that, who, that would never happen un, un, unless someone actually was was really ready to foot the bill for something like that. Who would want to listen to my voice every single day of the week? That sounds horrible. <laughs> that, that's a fair point. <laughs> um, no, nah, just kidding. No, nah, I think no. I think, I think we got some listeners that wouldn't mind that. Obviously, we would. We wouldn't do five hour plus chain shows a, a week. We no, would. They'd be like an would hour long. No, not even. We'd be like half hour, forty five minutes, no, half an hour. No, we don't. No, but we get commercial breaks in there. So you do like oh, a yeah. fifteen minute segment, then two minutes commercial. I mean, you only need. I mean, you get twenty minutes of commercial in an hour. So actually, technically, you only need. You only need. You only need to. So our show would only be forty minutes long. 
Perfect. They We're going to fill do... the other 20 minutes with commercials. <laughs> Everyone listening now, now don't, don't do commercials. <laughs> listen, I think people, I don't think, listen, if we could get a daily show off the ground, I think people, I don't think people would mind because I think people, uh, you know. I would be up for a daily that... show, but that would require an insane amount of work. We, yeah. And <laughs> obviously a lot of money and a lot we, more it's planning. Never ha- it, look, it's never happening, but it, it's fun to think about. It could happen. It could happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right, Ivis. Well, you need to pack because I know you're going to procrastinate and not do it. You're going to fall asleep and then do it in the morning. So, I'm going to sleep right now. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't I don't believe you. I, I, I'm tired. I'm actually tired. I'm going to go to sleep, and then I'll wake up, and I'll just throw a bunch of stuff in my bag. Me too. I'm tired also. I need to go to bed. <laughs> oh, that's right. Wait a minute. It's 1.38 a.m. your time, right? Yes. It's only two hours now. Oh, hey, by the way, did you, did you watch Walking Dead? Of course. It was a good episode. Yeah, no spoilers. We can't spoil it for people. But if you aren't already watching Walking Dead, you really should watch Walking Dead. Unless you're kind of skeeved out by gore. If you can't handle gore, obviously you're not going to want to watch it. But if you if, if you don't really care about blood and guts and all that. Because I, I really feel like people who watch Walking Dead uh, regularly, I mean, at a certain point, you kind of look beyond that and, and yeah. appreciate the stories. Because it's really about the stories. It's not about the gore. Although the gore can be fun if that's your thing. But I just think the 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 intensity and the suspense and the character development's great, even beyond the the absurdity of the gore. Yeah, I agree. Oh, by the way, I saw Interstellar. Did you see that yet? I just saw it tonight. Dude, how awesome is that movie? It was good, man. It was really long, and it was probably not the movie you. I, we, should, we we did a double movie uh, uh, thing with the with the kids today because since I'm leaving tomorrow and. I, I didn't want them to miss. I didn't want them to miss that that balloon movie, the cartoon. Uh, I forget the name of it big, already. Big Hero Six. Yes, and that was that was pretty good actually. But then, but then Interstellar was like three hours long, so it was pretty crazy. But it was good. It was great. It was. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I thought so too. McConaughey's well, great though in everything he does. Let's be honest. Uh, it's funny, man. I never thought I I couldn't stand him for years until recently. I, I don't know what changed. What movies did you not? Could you not? Like he was in that stupid movie called Sahara. It looked just look. It just looks stupid. Yeah, I didn't ever even saw that. Exactly. One. Like, there's some movies that are just. He's like, coming like, into okay, his what own about, now. What about what about Contact? Like, I, he was okay in Contact. I feel like no, but I feel like in the last three three years or so, he's really kind of hit his stride. So. Yeah, like he was. Like, no, he was enough, about that. enough about it's that. Okay. Let's wrap it up. We've gone in all, way too much into in the into pop culture stuff now. Well, that's fine. We can talk about this stuff. Maybe if we had, yeah, I, I think an hour twenty or whatever is good enough at this point. Yes. Anyways, if you have not seen Interstellar, seriously go see it. The movie's awesome. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Ivis, I'm gonna let you go, man. So uh, you have a uh, have a safe trip to uh, to England, and uh, we'll touch base. We'll preview the U.S. men's national team game against Colombia, which is on Friday. So Ivis, safe travels. Yes, sir. I don't know when we're gonna record. I just thought of that. When are we gonna record? Uh, it's I believe a seven hour time difference. Mm. we'll figure it out we'll figure it out but uh yeah we, we're gonna want to get a show uh we want to get a show done by thursday night eastern time so we can have so yes. people can, so we'll figure it out yes yeah um all right well ivis have a good trip man and i'll talk to you later thanks man and as always everyone thank you for listening to the show thank you for your comments and your reviews on itunes that is ivis Clarsip. i am garrett cleverly and this is the sbi show <laughs>